The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number 324 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the David Byrne-hating man himself, <laughs> Nick Pollock. Nick, yeah, I said it. What Nick, is happening? I can't. Nick just told me a story before we started this podcast. And I, honestly, if <laughs> someone who was someone who liked the talking heads told me the story, they would tell it to me in a in, in the most opposite way ever. <laughs> like I have never heard. This is blowing my mind. Give us a real quick version of why you hate David Byrne. It's 2009. I don't hate David Byrne. I'm yeah, just, you don't hate him as a person. Yeah. No, it was, <sighs> 2009. I'm at I'm at the band shell in Prospect Park. I'm with my friends from college. I am not a David Byrne fan. But, you okay. know, I like I like good music. I like hanging out with friends and whatever. It's outside. Sure. It's it's hot. It is humid. It is disgusting. Yeah. Mosquitoes are everywhere. Yeah. You know, I'm slapping yeah. them away, you yeah. know, and it, and this goes on for two hours. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm just oh, man, let's get out of here. Like I'm with my friends. I'm here before them. And I'm just I'm having a miserable time. I, yeah. I'm sure a love a lot of people love David Burns music for me just doesn't connect with me. Have you ever yeah, yeah. had to listen to music for two hours that you just are not into? It can can get to you when it's really humid and yeah. bugs are there and it's just bad. Right. So here I am. And I'm like, all right, encore time. Let's go. Fine. Let's just do this. He plays a song. It ends. I'm like, great. That's it. We're going to go. No, there's a second. I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK fine there are five encores yep five songs okay he cool. plays after he leaves the stage so now i'm at, like for people at home uh, it's just me and nick right now so i'm hoping that you agree with me here about how crazy it is that someone just said to me that the lead singer of the talking heads did too many songs like that's, that's insane. i was going to and now we, nick and i pulled up the set list he did burning down the house he did like take me to the river he did like unbelievable classic david bird no everyone would could not care hear. less unbelievable yeah i well i understand this is the thing is i understood that other people were having the best time and i remember my friends afterward just you know they were so happy and i'm i i'm not saying anything i'm not going to make their wonderful night worse you know i'm internally being the sponge for myself yes to to just not let out 
the torturous, of course, nearly three hours. And this to was. be fair, I, I bet if people went to a Devin Townsend concert and didn't really know right. him, and they he did exactly multiple encores, they would feel the same way. Five like, songs. We're, we're two and a half minutes in, and don't worry, this is not a new music podcast, I promise, although the new Black Midi song just came out, and it is unbelievable, mm. so go, it's, you know, take a break from the Kendrick Lamar, which is probably the best album in the past 20 years, and go listen to the new Black Midi. Um, we're not talking about music today, we're talking about the list. I'm back, for real. My parents yeah. came last week, Nick was a terrible friend and forgot my birthday, and now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back and we're ready to talk about pitching. But but it's not just pitching this week, Nick. It's a big week for us. It's a very big yeah. week. This, this is huge. Uh, so so here's the thing. I know we haven't even talked about fantasy baseball yet, but we've been doing this for six years, right? Six years children, fast that I have been doing this. It, it's oh. kind of wild. Our six-year anniversary is sometime in July, okay? And something that fast and I've talked about a lot, especially as we've been doing this, is, you know, how we talk about the game Yes, it has implications for fantasy baseball a lot, but in ju- in just we are we're baseball fans, you know. We like it at baseball. We we enjoy it, and we realize that we didn't really have a show to talk about just the sport as a whole without this lens of this game that we also very much enjoy, or fantasy baseball. So tomorrow night, that is, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, is tonight, and it'll be every single week at 10 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be recording our new podcast as a live show called the Nick and Alex Baseball Show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash PitcherList, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on every Tuesday. This is a show. It is a podcast. We're going to put it on there. We're going to put it on YouTube the next day. But this in every way is a show. It is produced by Eric Mira. We also have new video graphics that we're including with it. It's it's produced. It is a produced show. It is not just streamed from some random platform. So we hope you can make it. We have fun segments. We are giving away PL Plus subscriptions. Come by. Riddle me this, Nick. What time Riddle. does Plaid? What time does Plaid start? Oh no, 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 no. What time does no, Plaid start? No, Discord, Nick. No, Nick no. Starts at ten o'clock. No. Starts no. at ten o'clock Eastern. No. So that means no. Curse as much as I want. No. All right, then you need to go amend the Plaid rules because I can curse as much as I That's want. That's for Discord night. and the staff. No, 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 no. All right, I'll bring it to the mods and we'll let them decide. That is um, the mods right. of Discord. Their power does not reach. <laughs> it is no power over me. <laughs> um, all right, we're, we're, that's not what we're talking about today either, although we are very excited, obviously, to kick that off tomorrow. We hope you join us. It's going to be live. We're going to be living the dream. Maybe Zelda makes an appearance. Oh, uh, maybe I have to change a diaper midstream. Who knows? Uh, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the list. It came out today. And oh, boy, howdy. Is it a hot one? It's a hot one. Um, I, I The first thing I did was I wanted to see what was happening with one particular player. He did drop a little bit, and I was uh, uh, happy to see it, although I think he might be able to drop more. Wow, you hear it here first. Fast is happy a player is dropping. Uh, wow. I, well, the negativity. I like fast. honesty. I like honesty. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick of you lying to these people, <laughs> Nick. Um, all right, let's jump right in. We're going to start with the first tier. We're talking about Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, and here he is. In tier one for the first time ever, ever, it's Kevin Gaussman. What's it called and why is it called that? I'm going to call it the pilot because uh, in every single pilot, uh, the audience gets introduced to the show through the lens of a new figure to either the the environment, whether it's a new hire, a new superhero, whatever it is. And that's Kevin Gaussman this week as he Mm. 
rises two spots. And it, honestly, look, you know, he deserves it, right? Oh, he, yeah. Uh, he's been as good as anyone out there. You, you feel so confident tossing Kevin Gaussman out there every single day. He's done it inside of the AL beast as well. The splitter is as filthy as it is. And his strike rate on his fastball at times is like 87%. It has been insane how good uh, he is. 80% overall across all of his starts is fastball strike rate. That oh. is insane. The MLB average is 59% on four seamers. Sorry, 64% on four seamers. It is really ridiculous what Kevin Gaussman is doing. He's got that gorgeous uh, 84 FIP, which always cracks me up too. <laughs> and there's a considerable sample size right now. Uh, the other thing that's absolutely amazing. Now, this data is from two days ago, but I think it's still true. There were pitches that had a swinging strike rate mm. over 30%. And his leads all of baseball at 32% right now in the splitter. Right. That That is, that's that's unbelievable. Like that's unbelievable. Like yeah, that's, it, that's it, it's unbelievable. it's crazy. And we were saying it was the best splitter in baseball last year. Twenty six percent swing striker and Gaussman has yeah thirty two percent swing striker on the splitter. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't need this, the, any called strikes to be over a thirty percent CSW. <laughs> that is that's bananas. <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. bananas. Yeah. Um. All right. Not not a lot to talk about there. Everyone's got these guys. Everyone's keeping these guys. So we're going to move to tier two where it already gets a little interesting. Like, mm. the, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm kind of of two minds. Like we're, we're seeing <laughs> we're seeing a lot of almost everyone's an ace in some ways. But in mm. some ways, people are struggling uh, like some guys in this list that are it's a little scary. You want to see them dominate and they haven't been. Sure. So tier two is Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, Joe Musgrove, Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon, Max Fried, Shane McClanahan, Alec Manoa, and Justin Verlander. What's it called? Why is it called that? I'm going to call them the gold star sneeches because they've got the badge that makes them feel like they're better than the normal sneeches, okay. you know? And then eventually over time, everybody is going to have the badge or not the badge. And then we're just going to be like, oh, you're just humans in the end. Yeah. What's it? Well, I don't get this reference. The Sneeches. Yeah. What's that? What the, were the Sneeches? Yeah. Sneeches. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Oh, the Sneeches. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, a fantastic yeah. book. Oh, this is, this is one of my favorites growing up. Uh, essentially, yeah. you have this guy, the salesman coming to town and and offer Sneeches to have gold stars on them. Essentially, you know, this this icon, not say gold, but you know, just stars that say like they're better than those without it. Uh, okay. So then he goes and sells it to other people. Oh, cool, you can have this. So then the ones with the stars want to get something else and just goes back and forth. Everyone's getting it and removing it and getting and removing it that nobody knows who's superior or not by the end. And this guy just runs out of town with all their money. Mm. And it's this wonderful showcase, I think, of superiority and it's how unimportant it is and how worthless it is and how it's non-existent you know it's a great great book i love it alert man yeah (laughs) Um, obviously the the first person that i wanted to talk about in this tier and and you dropped him one uh and that's brandon woodruff now he at the beginning he had a two-start week last week Mm -hmm. and i mean let do me there before we get into the second start which was against miami which i mean was a was a a okay start it was wasn't bad by any stretch it almost was a quality start he only gave up one earned runs two walk and six k's um just five innings it's not really what you'd expect from brandon woodruff but if he doesn't make that start and it's just cincinnati would you have been putting this a little bit differently i i would have i I think i was planning on putting woodruff a little bit lower maybe down to a couple more but i i will say woodruff did respond really well i had a good change up once again had a good four seamer i think the command overall was a little bit better really good locations with that four seamer um and look this is the deal with brandon woodruff 
is that innately when you see like what he's doing with his repertoire versus last year, there are two things that to me that stand out. One is that his slider is just, he can't throw a strike with a 36% strike rate after having a 70% rate last year. That's very strange. This is his fourth pitch or maybe even fifth, you could say, if you want to include the sinker. But still, seeing that is just, this is a pitch he just cannot command. Like he used to, this used to be a really good zone rate pitch for him. 52% last year with just 19% zone rate on Woodruff slider this year. What? That's insane. Um, The other element is the four-seamer for whatever reason, is allowing a bit more hard contact. Small dip in swing strike rate, still above 15%, which is fantastic. But we're just four-seamer has a 32% hard contact rate as opposed to the around 20% that we've seen uh, in the past three seasons. Do I think that gets corrected? Yes, I do. With, o- over time, I think that Woodruff's four-seamer is still a very good pitch. I think it hasn't gone his way thus far. Uh, the sinker is doing good things. 38% O swing is essentially exactly what you want on that. The changeup has a 33% swing strike rate with 17% usage. Pretty ridiculous. Yep. Um, and the curveball has a 32% called strike rate. Again, pretty ridiculous. So, yeah. so those two elements to me, you know, if I if I really felt that Woodruff was doing something that is so far down, say massive velocity drop on the four seamer, the, the swing strike rate down to 12% or so. It, you know, there's a lot more signs like that where the foundation's completely gone. Then I would say, okay, yeah, let's let's bring him down maybe to 15, something like 20, maybe kind of even give him the Bieber treatment. Hmm. But, you know, it's hard right now. You know, I really struggled with this with Woodruff. Do I move him down to 11 or 12? Because, do you know, from this point moving forward, do I anticipate Brandon Woodruff to be anywhere close to his – I don't know what his ghastly numbers are. 535 ERA and 139 whip. No, nothing close to that. And he still has a 29% strikeout rate in that time. I think Brendan Woodruff is still very, very, very good. And uh, I, I didn't really see myself, you know, lowering him in favor of others. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear your logic. I mean, I think for some clarity on my position with Brandon Woodruff, I don't think he's like a lost cause. I think he can still return that second round value that people, you know, he, he could still be your your number one guy. It it has been a little bit brutal. Do you know, have you seen the Woba on his curveball this year? I mean, this was this was one of his biggest out pitches last year in terms of put away mm-hmm. rate. I mean, it was the fastball, the slider, and the curveball. The, the, the Woba last year on that pitch was, uh, I think, 155, all right? This year... It is, what is it, 738? Uh, 786. Yeah. He's had eight plate appearances end with with his curveball, though. It's still getting hammered. It's eight. Eight. Eight plate appearances ending with his curveball. I'm not going to judge Woodruff so harshly. His zero strikeouts, to be fair, to be fair, uh, after 47 strikeouts with the pitch last year. That is a very good point. I think it speaks to the fact that it's just not there is what I'm saying. Mm. Well, it's just not it, there. Yeah, it's being used a little differently. It was used more as a two-strike pitch last year, 41% two-strike usage. This year, 72% early. And that's why we're seeing the high called strike pitch, right? It's I mean, that that's just what it is right now. 32% called strikes because he's using it early in, uh, you know, in his counts. And that likely means that, okay, some guys are ready for it and they've hit it hard. Um, yeah. But it's eight. Eight plate appearances with it, and let's see, one, two, three, four hits off of it. 
Uh, no, yes, yeah, seven batted balls and four hits. I, I, I hear you. You're right, and maybe that's erroneous to to bring up the woba because of the small sample size. But I don't know. There's just yeah, it's I not mean, all. I'm working. It's not. This is not it. If you told me like, oh, what is right now is Woodruff for the rest of the year, then yeah, I wouldn't have Woodruff at five. But I don't. Silver lining is he does have that third pitch right now in the changeup. That's that's that to me is where you're like it's gonna be fine. Like he has another pitch. He's like, all right, I'll just throw this and I'll get like an elite. Yeah swinging strike and right so so i think the interesting conversation is you would rather have walker bueller than brandon woodruff right uh i would rather have um that's a good question because right, right now both guys are struggling or walker bueller seems like he's really struggling with that four seamer it seems like he's he's actually releasing it lower and closer to first base than ever before he's not getting the same amount of movement that he did before on it it just doesn't look like the same pitch that he had that made him super dominant i don't no, if it's I don't think it's a sticky stuff thing because he was able to recover with it at the end of last year. Um, so I don't know. Maybe if it's a tie, when it's these kind of tiebreakers, I'll go to like the team and who's going to get more wins. And I would probably go with Walker Bueller and that but they both mm-hmm. also have a good secondary pitch uh, that's getting whiffs for them. Woodruff more so than others. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question. Yeah. So I uh, so this is this is the thing about these rankings that make things so hard is I think we can all take a step back. And recognize that a couple things. One, April is the most volatile of all months. It is mm-hmm. the least indicative of the full season than any of the six months of the year. Uh, so first and foremost, the idea that someone performs a certain way in April maps out how they do the rest of the year is just not something we should be holding on to tightly. Um, and the thing that we, we struggle with the most and the, the real reason that makes us analysts in any way, I just think we're we're two guys just having a good time just on a podcast having a good time having a good time having a good time. um but it's uh essentially we see someone perform you know if they're performing well it does not mean that they're going to perform well tomorrow and because sure. they're performing poorly it does not mean they're going to perform poorly tomorrow and even if the underlying numbers say hey he was bad and he deserved to be bad that does not mean he's going to perform at that ability tomorrow it's just like you go to the bar and you throw some darts and you know, some days you got it and some days you don't, you know, it's the same thing because they are not computers. They are humans. So right now, Walker Buehler has a 5% swing strike rate on his four seamer. That's absurd. In previous years, 18, 19 and 20, that was an 11% plus mark 15% in 2018 for Buehler's four seamer, right? That I don't think is going to stick. You know, you can see this and say, okay, that's why Walker Buehler has a 20% strikeout rate. But now the question is, do I think that he's going to be this exact guy for the next five months? And I say, no, I don't. Meanwhile, it feels like his cutter is is great. 44% O-swing oh, yeah. and 45% zone rate. And that seems fine. And his curveball, sure, it, does, it gets strikes 68 or 66% rate. Low batting average allowed. That's doing just fine. And his slider has a 22% swing strike rate. So the question just is, how much faith are we putting in the performance of the four-seamer? And considering the track record of Walker Bueller, Chris Towers had a great quote about this last year in the context of Luis Castillo. He said that history did not begin six weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's, nice. that's why I have to think about a lot when it comes to Walker Bueller. This does not define him entirely. And I want to believe that the track record indicates that he will be better from this point moving forward. So this is what this is where I'm I'm a little bit worried, right? And because it's a great point with what you made, where it's like, yeah, of course, I I fully agree that one month does not make a pitcher. And I'm more genuinely asking this question as a hypothetical because I truly don't know the answer to the question. 
the thing that concerns me is it's a different fastball, right? Mm. There are qualities to the pitch that make it different. It is being released different. The movement is different. It's like, I don't think it's getting, I'm looking at it right now. It's getting uh, more drop, right? So it's not, he's not being able to elevate as well as he used to be able to elevate. Sure. He's not able to miss bats as a result of it. I, I just don't, I don't know if that is a tweak away thing. Like I genuinely don't know. I don't know if that's like, all right, I just need a few more bullpens to make sure I get the feel of that right. But I don't know if he starts to move the release point a little bit, try to elevate the release point a little bit. I don't know if he's giving up the success of the four-seamer for the amazing success that he's having with the cutter. So I think that's, I mean, uh, he's, it's funny. These are very valid questions, yeah. So that's where I'm like a little, ugh, but I, I, the cutter has been... Yeah, very yeah, this beautiful. is the only I struggle with is I have to kind of figure out a point of which I say, all right, enough is enough. Yeah, uh, and, and that's done. And it could be honestly in, in a couple of weeks away. You know, uh, generally I, I I think of June first as an assessment point, mm. as saying, all right, look, like this is this is getting to be too much. Yeah. Uh, and if they haven't made it by then, I mean, it's a little different this year considering how the season started. But you know, it might be something where I look back and said, "Man, I really wish I dropped both Woodruff and Bueller sooner." We'll see. I'm I'm with you. And again, for the record, I, I hope these guys have the most success because I have I have a I have a lot of these guys. <laughs> So I would like that. Uh, one, two more quick guys that I want to hit on. We're 20 minutes in. We've gotten through three pitchers. Ha, make um, a little bit long on this podcast. You did not drop Carlos Rodon after the shelling last night. No, not at all. No. Okay, great. It's as in it's out of the way. He's going to be his, his repertoire is it was on 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 shifted. I mean, it was the okay. same thing. It, it was great. just one of those nights. It was weird. One pitcher uh, has two pitches in the Jamie Clanahan. For put away rate and is the leader in CSW and he's not in the top 10. Why is that? Uh, because Jamie McClanahan's fastball is a major reason why for his success right now. And it's something that I don't quite believe is going to stick around in the same way. Uh, it's hard contact has dropped uh, about 14 points thus far and it's increased its swing strike rate by four. And I hope it sticks around. Uh, but I don't want to be fooled by small sample here in this way and it still has high batting average by the way near 400 uh so i do worry a little that mcclanahan um will come down to earth a little bit but you know if you want something fun go to his spiritualist page and you're gonna see a whole lot of red it is it's, lovely it's unbelievable he's been fantastic i'm fortunate to have him on my team with woodruff and he is carrying me um moving on to tier three Best pitcher in baseball by ERA, Pablo Lopez, Chris Bassett, Sandy Alcantara, Robbie Ray, Zach Wheeler, Frankie Montas, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, and Freddie Peralta. What's it called and why is it called that? Oh, man, it is the army at the front door. You know, those scenes in movies where like, you know, they have like they think there's a small army at the gate. Okay. And they're just like, oh, okay, how bad could it be? And then they go up to the top of the wall and it just stretches out until. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what tier three feels like when it comes to the ace is going to ace tags. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of these guys that you mentioned, Lopez, Bassett, Alcantara, Ray, Wheeler, Montes, Nola, Cease, Peralta, could have the ace is going to ace tag by the beginning of June. Um, Lopez okay. and Bassett just got it. The reason they're in the separate tier is because I still think, even though they got that tag, I still think they're closer to those that are about to get it than Manoa, Verlander, McClanahan, who have defiantly earned it. Earned it. You okay. know what I mean? So uh, I just still have just the slightest worry 
that Pablo Lopez without really that true third pitch, even though the cutter is getting kind of interesting at times, uh, is going to have more disasters than we've seen thus far. I think a lot of people would appreciate it if you took a second, you pulled them aside, you, you put your hand on their shoulder, you looked them deeply in the eyes, and you gave them a reason to believe that Robbie Ray is going to be okay. Oh, are you joking? This is no? I, I, I was so tempted to, like, yeah. Okay, Robbie Ray yesterday against the Mets had one bad inning. Mm-hmm. And the entire start, A, had his highest velocity of the season and closest to the 94.8 from last year was 94.3 which is so good because remember the beginning of the year, it was like 92, 94.3 average through the entire start. And his command was excellent. The pitch separation was amazing. It's what you want. It's the Blake Snell blueprint, essentially, of four seamers pounding the zone at the top and then sliders all the way at the bottom. It was filthy. Guess how many whiffs he had yesterday? 27. 27. 27. 27. You know, like, okay. All right, buddy. I think you're fine. I know he had five earned runs against the Mets. I know that stinks, but you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys might have seen the the uh, the very appropriate uh, tweet from Jeff Zimmerman saying, "Guys, ERA is the worst stat to follow to predict future success in fantasy." Right? Now. Like, don't stop doing that. Yeah. And I say it all the time. I don't look at ERA and WHIP when I make these rankings. Mm. I don't do it. You know, I, I'm following through the roundup and I have this general idea of their performances and their trends and why they're doing that. And my whole job is to is to make this fluid explanation of their approach and their potential and how they're getting their outs and if that's sustainable and if it's not. And the actual, you know, I don't know, you put it through the machine and you plop out a fiber and run a game against the Mets. I'm just like machine and I got to give it a smack on the side, like get it right. Come on, smacking all these machines. (laughs) Well, it's a computer. You know, it's like it's, you know, it's like the TV that is fuzzy all of a sudden. I know kids these days don't know what that's like. And how where am I gonna hit this thin bezel? You know, (laughs) they don't understand it, right? But uh, but that's sometimes what happens, and you should feel great, you should feel so excited, honestly, about that start yesterday from Robbie Ray. Maybe it's because you and I have, uh, uh, maybe it's because I had a baby and I haven't seen oh, it much. Wait, I what? Like I, I haven't, oh my God, where is she? Um, <laughs> I feel like I uh, I haven't heard as much Frankie Montas love from mm. you recently. Wow. And that disappoints me. I, am am I wrong? It? Have you have you been talking up Frankie Montas behind my back? Or he hasn't um, really? Not behind him, very publicly. You know, I, yeah. I just all the time that Fast never reads the roundup. And I just... Okay. Oh, oh! I thought you said I say all the time. Okay, sorry. I just I all the time. I uh, and if you read it last night, which I'm sure you did fast, mm-hmm. you would have seen me get so thrilled about how Montes allowed a two-run shot in the first inning, and then essentially had six innings of twelve strikeouts after with a splitter looking beautiful and four seamers getting whiffs too. It's great. I will say the splitter has been a little bit more in and out than I want it to be. And there was one start, I believe, the slider took over, which is strange, and that just doesn't mm-hmm. happen really for Montes. But uh, yeah, it, I, I want to give him that tag. I mean, he's in the top 20. I remember actually seeing people complain to me about what do you, what do you see in Montes? I don't see it. I go, well, he's really great. He, you know, I think the thing that we undervalue the most in fantasy are workhorses who also strike batters out. You know what I mean? Yeah, Guys that go yeah. like deep into games and, and also earn strikeouts. Like we, we, we think of the, the high striker percentages 
and don't really think about the innings per game as much as we used to. And Frankie Montes is someone that can go seven innings every single day. Like he can just yeah. cruise through. It's why I like Sandy Alcantara so much. It's why I like Zach Wheeler. You know, Aaron Nola does that. Chris Bassett, why he's getting this love from me. Mm. Right. And it's why Max Fried is 10th, by the way. He like always goes six frames and it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, Frankie Montes is another one like that. They can do that because he gets out with his fastballs effectively. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, like one of the most exciting things is just what he's done with the repertoire, right? I mean, we're always saying, hey, how come guys just don't throw their best pitch more? And now he's throwing <laughs> his splitter a career high, like 30% right now. And he oh, took that nice. sinker, which was terrible for him last year. It had like a, it was pretty high Woba, the pitch that he went to most frequently, and he dropped it below the four seamer so it's been really fun to see that mix i think he also just like fully got rid of uh i mean it really depends on the classification some people think he threw a cutter last year i don't know if he even did it but all of his pitches right now at least the ones that he's thrown nearly 200 times have a swinging strike rate over 10 percent. like he's just getting whiffs kind of all over the place i i, I dig what he's doing i'm, I'm into it fast uh, i don't know why this just popped in my head but i'm just so upset there isn't a pitcher named stevie Stevie? I'm just Stevie because then we would call why, his why? arsenal the Stevie mix. And <laughs> I, I, quit. <laughs> I quit on the spot. I'm, I'm really I'm upset out. about it. You I know, I don't even want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't even want to be here anymore. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Frankie Montes is pretty good, guys. You know, and even Dylan Cease, uh, some might say, what, he gained a spot, even though he allowed six cent runs to the Yankees. And it's kind of funny. You know, how I talk about Dylan Cease. He's the premium cherry bomb and all. And yeah. I, I love that people know that. I uh, and because, you know, he just he gets all these strikeouts, but like he'll blow up every so often. He wasn't bad in that game. He, he got like had a billion really whips. command. He yeah. was insane. And it's just just whenever he threw a, a mistake, the Yankees being whatever they are punished them for it and it just was not fair because <laughs> like this like he did poorly but you know that's like the anti-victory lap i was like no he, no he did great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so yeah don't freak out about that feel good about dylan Cease. he ended up having i think it was yeah he had no how many whiffs did he have in that game he had over 20 he, he had, had like, over 20 yeah it was like 26 or something like that it yeah, was a lot it was really quick because i remember trying to see Here in the if, golden um, goal Huh? Um, the goal. He, yeah, goal. he had twenty because I remember I wanted to see if Luis Heel had more whiffs than him at one point, and it was like, wow, he's Dylan Cease. Yeah, the good. command of Luis is uh, the Achilles heel, you could say. Yeah, oh, wow. Very, I am in the zone. Nice. I am here. Hi, yeah, what's yeah, up, you're guys? Rocking it. You're Big rocking it. Eh. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's uh, keep the party going as we move on to tier four. A little teeny tiny mini tier. Um, that is Julio Urias, Zach Gallon, Shohei Otani. And Charlie Morton, what's it called? And why is it called that? Um, these, okay. I, man, I was sorry. I was just looking at Dylan Cease numbers and he just threw this at me. Um, I'm going to say this is the, the jazzy Jeff tier. Because they're right now, they're side characters that you think are pretty cool. Also, they are a quartet. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. Um, I was very happy to see Charlie Morton in what I think was a real return to yeah, form. Yeah, that's too straight that now. Last start. 
Yeah, but I feel like this one was even more kind of sure, I'm with because you. the yeah. way he jumped out of the gate. I think he had eight Ks through his first four innings, and then he only got one for the How dare remainder he? of the way. Yeah, you should have called him. Ding! Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> also, just this was his second start of the year with one or fewer walks. Ooh, like that, that's I feel it. Like, yeah. Wow. Every, all the others have been like three. Two, like it just hasn't been one. pretty. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It was just a full countdown. Uh, three, yeah. two, one. Uh, uh, but yeah, he ended up picking up uh, wow. like eight whiffs on that curveball, which I don't know if it was a season high. I think it was. Uh, yeah, because it was six to start before that. So it was good to really see him trending in the right direction. I tweeted this out, but you know, hats off. Give yourself a little pat on the back if you if you didn't panic and you held with Charlie Morton. There wasn't really anything yeah, there aside that curveball. Not, I, I will say um it's we're not out of the woods yet right i would normally say like first is a suggestion second is sorry first is an exception second suggestion third confirmation hmm. and the two starts where he's had at least seven whiffs on a skirball were both against san diego um with the other one coming on thursday uh april 14th sure so keep that in mind that you know the padres are not the best offense out there uh and hopefully Oh, yeah. Hopefully Maureen can continue just to throw a lot of strikes. It was a really nice start. Hopefully he can keep it going. I mean, but you can see to me the difference in the plots, like the curveball plot in that last start. Look at look at where that is. Like, that's just beautiful. Like, that is right where I think he wants those curveballs to be. I, I've he's another guy that I, I, I have a significant amount of. So I've been watching a lot of his starts. And this is the first time where I was like, he, I just saw him get ahead. He, he, do the Bundy. Just get to the one, two, get to the O two, and just give up a hit. Or Wait, is that where you start guys. dancing and then you just go on the floor and start crying? I, I just skip the dance. Do the Bundy. You're a mess now. Do, 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 do. On the floor now. Do, do, do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you're weeping. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just Oriole Bale. Um, all right. I, I, so, yeah, maybe, I'm, maybe we should temper expectations, but good to see him get a little bit of a rise Absolutely. here as we move on into tier five, a hefty chunk of names. Actually, before we do that, though, we're going to take a little quick break so you can hear from our sponsor. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back. Nick just gave a full rendition of a do the Bundy for me in a, in a private little uh, uh, wow. Dance. What? <laughs> uh, we got tier number five, Shane Bieber, Logan Webb, you Darvish, Luis Severino, Jose Barrios, Luis Castillo, Kyle Wright, right at the ship, Nestor Cortez Jr. And Trevor Rogers. Um, what's it, two questions. What's it called? And why is it called that question two? Uh, how much did you have to resist just putting Nestor Cortez in a tier of his own where he belongs? 
Now, uh, this is the nomadic fortune teller. Because here you are, you're trying to find some answers. And you see, you know, the caravan or the the, the wagon. You go in and you see the crystal ball. It's just all hazy. Yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen with any of these guys. But you feel good about them. You feel like, yes, this is exactly what I should be doing. Um, about Nestor Cortez, I, I rose him uh, 11 spots. Um, raised him, I should say. And look this is the case with Nestor Cortez his command is insane right now mm-hmm. um watch a game of his you'll see him go east west spot the slider I mean Jose Trevino helping of course too yeah bringing in those sliders uh you know into the into the zone fastball is sequenced really well and you know he changes arm angles to get you know even some more haze for batters this just a tough at bat every time cutters inside to righties down away to lefties but then backdooring it too it's just beautiful but i don't know how long that feel lasts i just i just don't i know he's done it for a decent amount of time we've even seen this year a couple starts where it wasn't quite i uh, and last year we saw a little bit of the um fragility at times i don't know how long this lasted the year it could be the entire year that would be yeah. amazing i think be anyone awesome. Yeah, I think anyone listening, no one truly believes that it would be the entire year right now. And that's the problem. And that's why I don't have him in the top 25 or so. Could I have had him in tier four? Sure. But at the same time, all of these guys have potential being a top 15 guy um, inside this tier. So I think it's less about where Cortez is placed. I think it should just be really great that he's being considered in the same fashion as everyone in this tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if you have him on your fantasy team, great, hold on to him and just ride it as long as it goes. Um, uh, quick- ride the wave fast. Don't give me a face. I didn't say anything. I didn't say a dang <laughs> I, thing. I said a face. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, what was my question? Oh yeah. Are you trying to, uh, move Nestor Cortez for Robbie Ray right now? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Well, it's good advice. Find that Yankee homer who loves Nestor Cortez, and if he has Robbie Ray, take him. That's a very niche trade. Um, all right. The other Yankee pitcher that I'd like to talk about in this tier is Luis Severino. Um, got off to a pretty good start, and then he hits a bump with Detroit, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Detroit's not great, but all right. Then he gets hit hard by Baltimore. Then he gets hard again by Kansas City. Yesterday, we finally saw him get a little bit higher with the, the, the strikeout department with eight Ks, but just four and two thirds, three and runs, five hits, gives up another home run. That's now three consecutive starts with a home run. What are you thinking about Luis Severino? You're saying yesterday? You're talking about tonight against your Orioles. Huh? Right. Or against your Orioles right now. I, he, oh, uh, I haven't had- looked at his line. I'm talking about when he uh, against Baltimore in April. Ah, uh, okay. I see. Yeah. I mean, he, he kind of did today what I was hoping he would do. Um, the thing about Severino is I think he's his velocity is great. He's at 96 miles per hour. Uh, his change of feel has been pretty dang good. And then big question is how, you know, how are the breakers? And it's kind of interesting. I I still reflect back to that Blue Jays start where he essentially had three different breaking balls. He had a true cutter slider curveball split hmm. of throwing this hard cutter around the lower 90s, having a harder slider around the upper 80s. And then this slow curveball around 83, 84. And nowadays, it's more of just you don't really see the upper 90s cutter. You kind of see the 88 to 91 range as a cutter and then the you know 83 to 86 or so for the, for the slider. But 
as long as we see those be effective like they used to, Severinos is, is accelerating up this list fast. Uh, I really believe in his fastball. And actually, you know, I, I did this list before tonight, but why not? We have the information in front of us. 31% CSW on the four-seamer, eight whiffs on the 54-seamers. Everything you want to see there. Uh, let's see, 11 over 24 CSW, which is excellent on both his breakers, the slider and the cutter. Change of burn off strikes, uh, over 50% on that. Excellent. It's 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 all kind of there for Severino. And sure, this was the Orioles. Um, but I think over time, uh, Severino just gets better as the season goes on. But yeah, I mean, he's inside of this tier of, hey, you guys are going to be great, right? That's that's what we're hoping for everybody here. Haven't they? Maybe I'm crazy. I know that the... Uh, am I crazy? I am... I no. no, yeah, I am crazy. Never mind. I'm not even going to say it because I'm crazy. I want to move on to another guy who dropped pretty significantly on this list, and that's Logan Webb. Uh, you could look people in the eye who owned Robbie Ray or, or, or had shares of Robbie Ray or rostered Robbie Ray and said, you're doing fine. Uh, he's going to be okay. I, are you able to say that right now yeah. with Logan Webb? Uh, Logan I mean, Webb to me has, a, well, he has a 16% strikeout rate. And I remember last loose. year. Yeah, that, that was the noise. Um, last year he did 27% and felt kind of high. Uh, now, I don't think that he is destined to be a 16% strikeout rate, but when his slider all of a sudden only has a 10% swing strike rate after having a 22% last year. Oh, I understand why he has a 16% K rate. The question you got to ask yourself is, do I believe that Logan Webb slider is better? And I believe yes. You know, I had a 44% of swing last year, 26% this year. I think that does get better over time. The question is how much? And I've kind of taken or at least accepted that uh, Logan Webb is kind of a 3.6 ERA guy with a 117-120 whip and about a 22% K rate. He's a glorified Toby at this point to me, who is, though, a workhorse and will have those games. Well, he'll go seven innings with seven strikeouts or six strikeouts, and you'll be, like, stoked about this. Mm. Uh, he's getting, you know, his changeup, I will say, is really, really good this year. 51% uh, O-swing on it as he's locating so well at the bottom of the zone with it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the sinker is just allowing a lot of hits. Uh, 400 average thus far. And I think because he doesn't have the slider as much of as a nullifier as it used to, guys are being able to kind of match up where the slide, the, the change of the sinker on the same plane, kind of stay with both of them. And when they get the sinker able to knock it. So it, it's not ideal right now. He really needs that slider to come back. But I mean, even this, he's still a 348 ERA. You know, it's not like he's so bad. 134 whip that should come down. I, yeah, I think, we're going to see a better version of web, not necessarily an SP one version, but a solid one through the year. Hmm. All right. Let's move on to the next tier, which is actually chock-a-block with some really fun names to talk about. Uh, and this is tier six. We're looking at Nathan Eovaldi, Joe Ryan, Eric Lauer, Sean Manaya, Patrick Sandoval, Turek Skubal, Alex Wood, and Alex Cobb. It's like you took all the pitchers you and I both love and smashed them into a fun little tier here. What's it called? And why is it called that? It's called the I choo choo choose you tier. Uh, love it. So I'm in love with all of them. Yeah, they, they're all fun for a lot of different ways. So uh, uh, one quick question before we dive into a lot of these guys in earnest. Um, Joe Ryan, great start yesterday. Nice bounce back. I think you featured him in the roundup yesterday. Nope. No, it wasn't it. But Man, I yeah, you, you totally up. read the roundup. I know you wrote them. Of course you wrote them up. You read all of them. Yeah. Right <laughs> them. Um, how worried were you uh, at that last the start before this one? Did you think after that start, like, uh-oh, maybe now he's falling back to earth? Or did you think like, oh, it's a blip and keep trusting him? 
Uh, no, Joe Ryan, just a blip against the Astros. Uh, five walks is not really him. I, the one thing I am monitoring a lot that really didn't get much better in this one against the Guardians. So Joe Ryan's slider is still not great. Uh, it was pretty good early in the season. It got us really hyped after that bad opening day start. Um, but the last two games, just two whiffs combined um, across 38 sliders thrown. Not what you want to see for Joe Ryan's slider whatsoever. I think that does get better over time. Meanwhile, the fastball is just better in this one. I mean, it wasn't very good in that other start against Houston. Much better against the Guardians nine whiffs, uh, 78 thrown. I mean, it, it's a fantastic pitch, and it's going to keep doing that. So I think with Joe Ryan, you just kind of set and forget and then really hope that the slider can take a better form so that he can accelerate up this list over time. One of these pitchers is the only starting pitcher in baseball that has yet to allow a barrel. And if you want to know the answer to who that is, you can find out in tomorrow's episode of Base Hits debuting again during the Nick and Alex baseball show. There it is. Look at that. You're out right then. And there was a nice one, oh, right? I, I can't wait for that show. We have so many stupid fun segments and we, Oh, guess nice. what? Guess what? what? I have what? a segment fast huh? where I'm going to be scouting a hitter. Uh, bananas. What's it called? Does it have a witty <laughs> punny name? It's called scouts honor. <laughs> and I'm going to be wearing a visor. Hmm. I, I, I really tune in 10 p.m. Eastern time every Tuesday night on twitch.tv slash list. Come on by. Yeah, what What do you think? I mean, this is kind of a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, how many more really good starts would Tarek Skubal have to have before you gave him an ace is going to ace label? Oh, His ace potential right now. Uh, and he's there's no doubt he's been fantastic. Mm. Uh, I mean, and that last 11K start against the Orioles just just showcased it. I mean, he's got a 210 FIP right now. He's got a career high K percentage. I mean, career high, it's been three years, but still he's 28% K rate and a 12.6% swing strike. Swing strikes a little bit below what he did in 2020. Um, anyway, you, you look at it, it's been a lot of fun to watch and he's been very good. How many more starts though before you're like, all right, I trust him. Just throw him out there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I have a belief that essentially Tarek to be good, um, he needs one of his changeup and or slider, or his, one of his changeup or slider to be working. Hmm. You know, I don't really expect both of those working in tandem often. And that's what we saw at least against Baltimore, which is great. Uh 30% CSW on the changeup, 33% on the slider. That's really good. But we haven't seen the changeup be that great often. And the slider last three starts have all been at least a 30% CSW, but two before that were not. And there, there, it seems like it's kind of coming together and I'm liking the direction he's going, but I can't ignore the fact the last two starts were against Oakland and the Orioles. Um, and I, I feel like we just, you know, it, it's a case where the guys above will keep faltering. And if Tarek doesn't, he's just going to keep soaring. And as long as the slide or changeup are constantly good, then yeah, I'm in because the fastball is a really nice foundation that gets better by those pitches. You know, I'm not going to wait for the knuckle curve, even though you asked him about it in that great talking mm. pitching episode. Mm. Uh, he's not going to throw the curve ball more. He threw like five yesterday. He's and, not. No. And it's such a nice shape to it. And it's lovely. I love it. But, you know, it's, it's not going to get more. So, and that's fine because the slider and changeup are that good. But, yeah, I, I think it's still a process with Tarek. And I think 
we're going to see, you know, we're going to see some more 11 strikeout games, hopefully, you know, hopefully this is the start of me just undeniably being like, all right, I get it. Hands up. Like he's, he's an ace. He's an ace now. He's got the AGA. Do you say AGA or AGA in your head? Uh, I'd say AGA because AGA's too. Well, you have a kid though. Other things. <laughs> you should huh? be saying to Zelda all the time. <laughs> AGA. <laughs> just repeating uh, what she says, you know? There's some really interesting categorization things going on between Savant and uh, and Fangraphs about that curveball, but that's neither here nor there mm-hmm. right now. Uh, let's move on to the next tier, which is tier seven um, with Mike Clevenger, Logan Gilbert, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Luis Garcia, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Kopech, George Kirby, Tristan McKenzie, Sonny Gray, Tyler Molly. What's it called? Why is it called that? It's called the clipboard. Um, because this is the list of guys that's like you hand it to the coach, like, hey, I don't. All right, these are the potential guys that could be joining the team, mm. you know. And you gotta go through, you gotta put on your glasses, go, you know, they're hanging from your neck, right? You gotta, you gotta bring them up. Oh, all right, Joseph, what do you what do you got from me? And this is the last tier, I think, of chasing something great. Yeah. I uh, and I and I really try to articulate this every single week as much as I can of how I structure the list because a tier eight and really after 55 or so um, the real opportunity for someone who to get an ACE is going to ACE label to truly be that massive impact player disappears a bit. Mm. And uh, this is the point of saying, look, because there are so many Tobies, there's so many guys in the waiver wire that you can stream. Like I just picked up Josh Winder for tomorrow in one league to go against the athletics you don't need to rely on your, uh, your Framber Valdez and your Jameson Tyones and your Carlos Carrasco's, et cetera. It's in your best interest to chase George Kirby and to chase Luis Garcia and Tristan McKenzie and yeah. so on and so forth. So yeah. th- this is that tier. And it's really important when you're translating the list for your own leagues that it comes with that philosophy. Now, some quick hits then. Um, shaky start in the first outing for Mike Clevenger. Really nice to see an uptick in velocity in the second. He jumped up the forcing velocity by a full tick to about 95, which was good to see because the 94 was a little scary, especially because he dipped below every once in a while. Um, are you encouraged by that? Or you think you're kind of, we're never going to see the the guy uh, that we thought we were going to see at the beginning? Oh, of the no, year. that was that was a tick higher than the first start. Um, mm-hmm. So he went from 93.5 to 94.4, which is great. Um, and then the slider at eight whiffs on 30 thrown. Sweet. Like, uh, you know, we, we got a lot more of what we were to expect. So I didn't move Clevenger really at all. I just kind of dropped Logan Gilbert. I dropped yeah. uh, Drum Montgomery a little bit. I didn't really touch Mike Clevenger in this one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good about it. I keep in mind also I had to remove uh, Ty Lord McGill and yeah. Jesus Lazardo. Yeah, uh, which is very unfortunate to remove Clayton Kershaw. So there's some innate yep. positivity going there for Clevenger. What about in the opposite direction? A guy whose velocity drop in his last adding has a lot of people worried in Michael Kopech. Oh, yeah. Kopech, I, I'm a little scared of. I mean, I will say the the velocity drop. I even mentioned like, hey, it's kind of weird seeing Kopech throw 91 and 92 because what? You're supposed mm-hmm. to be this overpowering flamethrower last time i saw him throw 91 was right before he got tommy john in 2000 uh and 19 or 18 or whatever that was uh but with kopech he did throw 41 pitches in that second inning right which i don't know how he survived for six i really don't yeah but you can imagine a guy being fatigued after that those many or that many intense 
uh, pitches thrown in one frame. Yeah. So I'm not going to criticize him too much for that. It's just more overall what I've seen the past couple starts is Kopech, despite his 154 ERA and 094 whip, which is astonishing to me. It's not that overwhelming. His mm-hmm. secondary stuff to me just is not well commanded. His slider this year, Michael Kopech's slider has a 14% swing strike rate. Oh, wait, never mind. That's its CSW. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, was, that actually scared me. <laughs> hide your kids. Hide your wife. That, that, I mean, that's really bad. That's his number two pitch. 18% usage. The curveball has a 29% CSW, which is better, but not what you know 58 strike rate it's very pedestrian it's all come from the four seamer so i don't think it's gonna have a 130 batting average allowed for the year at 67 usage i think that's a little unreasonable and he is a prime sell high candidate uh right now michael kopech so consider that I, I hope to see something change but i'm losing faith that it will Okay, uh, let's move on to the next tier here. Tier number eight, Eduardo Rodriguez, Framber Valdez, Merrill Kelly, Jose Arquiti, Ian Anderson, Miles Michaelis, Jamison Tyone, Carlos Carrasco, Adam Wainwright, Drew Rasmussen, Paul Blackburn, and Michael Lorenzen. What is it called and why is it called that? What was Drew's name? I'm sorry. Drew Rasmussen? Rasmussen, okay. Yeah. I, I'm a Rasmussen man. Oh, you're a Rasmussen. I'm a Rasmussen, like rah, rah, Rasmussen. Yeah. I like Drew Rasmussen. Like it's almost like one full name. Drew Rasmussen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is called basketball at the Y because all of them, you know, those guys that like, you don't know if they can ball or not, but there's just like, <laughs> dude, who like, you're good. You don't look like you should be good, but you're good. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's these guys. You know that they're not going to be the ones that dunk and do all the things, but they're doing all the fundamentals. Sure. They got it right. They know how to box it. They know how to pass. They know how to set a yeah. pick. They can get a layup. That's tier eight. So... Yeah, I I think it's a very apt way of putting it. The kind of first person that for me personally that this pops out for is like, is Paul Blackburn kind of like the new like Kyle Hendricks light? Like, is he just like kind of like a a ratio guy that's going to be able to, you know, get you there? He's not going to, he's certainly not going to walk anyone uh, and he's going to be effective for you, but he's probably not going to get a lot of K's. Got a good change up. I've really wrestled with this Hmm. because I, I think it's important, again, because I'm doing this philosophy, I'm grouping guys in Toby A tiers, Ceiling A, Toby B, ceiling B. This is kind of how I do it now. And you're probably going to see it for the rest of the season because I think it's the most effective way of just kind of grouping guys, which means that because they're ranked at 68 or 71 versus someone else ranked at 62, it doesn't actually mean that. You know, I'm just grouping these all very similar players in different ways. Sure. Right. So, so for example, the guys in tier nine, you have like your boy Kyle Bradish and Chase Silseth, mm-hmm. who are pretty interesting and they're fun. And, you know, like you might want them more than Paul Blackburn if he's ranked higher. But I can't deny the fact that Paul Blackburn has a 1670 ERA and a 0.91 whip who's making it work with really well commanded cutters, for example, that are going glove side all the time. Uh, his sinker is stealing a ton of strikes. His curveball has a 33% CSW. And his changeup has a 33% CSW. Like, I mean, they both have it. It's great. It's it's just kind of working. And at the moment, it feels like a Vargas rule. But yeah, you just keep rolling Paul Blackburn. Yeah. Um, I guess the other one, Michael Lorenzen, I feel like has kind of had a kind of 
up and down year where sometimes he's seemed like the command really hasn't been there. Sometimes he gets a little bit squeezed. It doesn't seem like he's been able to be super effective in putting it together. A lot of people probably look at that 8% walk rate and be like, what do you mean? It's down from the 11%. But those huh. were, of course, when he was a, a reliever, I think I'm a little bit shocked that like the strikeouts just, they're not there like at all. For mm-hmm. him. What yeah. is it that you see about Michael Lorenzen that has him jumping up six spots? Well, it, it's, it's more about the groupings. I originally had him. Um in the tier nine uh, with the ceiling guys. I don't really see that from him, but I also felt that he was a more stable Toby than B tier. So I put him at the very bottom of the A and then that's really all it is. Michael Lorenzen has a good change up with a 20% swing strike rate. He has a decent slider that I think should be better. Uh, it's the 15%, 50% uh, strike rate right now that should go up, but he's got a cutter. He steals strikes with, and he hasn't been too hurt from thus far. The, the, the four seamer sometimes does earn whiffs at 95 and the sinker has a 38% O swing. It generates a ton of outs is a 68% ground ball rate on his primary fastball. That's really cool. And that's allowing him to pretty much be like, you know, like a Framber Valdez almost right. Uh, this super high ground ball rate. So uh, 55% ground ball rate so far for uh, Michael Lorenzen, which is kind of startling. Mm. And it means that like, all right, Sure, throw him out there. It's fine. Now, I will say the matchups have been in his favor. You know, he's got Miami, then Houston, fine. But the Guardians, White Sox as a righty, the Nationals, and Oakland. So I, I don't know if it, you know if he runs into a tough schedule, if I really care that much for Lorenzen. But honestly, I don't think I care about any of these guys when they have a rough schedule. So um, Lorenzen feels like a Toby and a good one at that. Let's move on to the next tier, which is the tier that we should have spent this entire time talking about because each one could be, uh, 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 you know, an hour in and of itself because they're mm-hmm. really exciting names. And that's Kyle Bradish, John Gray, Tony Gonsolin, Garrett Whitlock, Spencer Strider, Josh Winder, Chase Silseth, and Hunter Green. What's this called? is called the uh, the magazine advertisement. And the one that has like the spikes around it, it's a, like 50% off, you know, the oh, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, that's what these guys are because each one of them has some characteristic that is trying to get your massive attention for you to go oh. by. I thought it was going to be called you must be this tall to ride because like 90% of these guys are like 18 years old. (laughs) It's like everyone but John Gray is a child. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's part of the reason why it's like that's why they're here. They're the young mystery box a little bit, right? Um, I can. Who do you want me to spend the most time on? Because I can do a quick 20 second thing on the others. I'm not going to say Silseth because you guys should go watch the video breakdown that Nick did of Silseth. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, So I I, I don't think we need to do Kyle Bradish because actually, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you do Bradish and Winder? Um, Okay. So I kind of see them similarly, similarly, Uh, Bradish has a really nice slider. uh, And that allowed him to get 11 strikeouts last time. Plus he throws like 94, 95 as I, uh burp um and then he has a bad schedule though like right now he just he's facing the yankees didn't do well today and i didn't start him in tout wars because of that mm-hmm. um but i'm still holding on to cal bradish because i do think that over time this is a guy with a, a good heater and good breaking balls and will be effective josh winder is i've described him as a uh, 90 91 mile per hour kitchen sink guy who just happens to throw 94 95 <laughs> and if you think of it that way just think of like a toby then that could be more than that theoretically given mm. um given that velocity and that's pretty cool um he gets again the Oakland athletics so this week i preferred josh winder to bradish but winder does not have an 11 strikeout game in his cap 
So when you think about like who I want to actually jump, you can only get one guy. I'll go after Bradish because I think I'm going to be holding on to him past this week and then okay. through the season. So last real quick before we move on, Strider does not have a spot in the rotation. Why did he does? He, uh, he's supposed to go. He's supposed to go tomorrow. He did not. He went two innings tonight for some reason. What? I don't get what they're doing. Over the I weekend, he thought, I thought he relieved. Tonight, he went? Over the weekend, yeah. He did one inning over the weekend, and then for some reason, I had him all lined up to start tomorrow, and here I go looking at the uh, the Atlanta Braves-Milwaukee Brewers box score, and he threw two innings. Oh, no. I don't understand it. I don't understand no. what they're doing with him. And it's even weirder because yesterday <laughs> when he pitched, it had been five days since he threw so like, it was I his was bullpen like, okay. they were like yeah they're they're keeping him in line and i mean he got three strikeouts and two innings and no walks and a hit <laughs> it's great maybe he should be a starter especially <laughs> no one announced tomorrow it doesn't yeah. make any sense to no me. that's that's absolutely shocking well there you go i mean in in my head spencer strider is a bit of a volatile uh hard thrower with you know if he's able to get strikes constantly with this fastball and or slider then like that should be good. <laughs> you know, it's that simple with Strider. I, uh, but yeah, I mean, I will say given that description of his repertoire, like he does seem to be more of a reliever and it always, it did surprise me a little bit that they're pushing for it. Mm. But I mean, it's, they still show the end of else. So this is weird. I'm frustrated. Very weird. All right. We, uh, good gracious. We got to get these last uh, guys. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, Here you go. Okay. Tony Gonsolin, don't know if the slider is good. Garrett Whitlock, he's actually doing well today, but got really trounced last time. And I thought, I don't know if he should be above those Tobies or not. I'm happy to throw him up again later. That's fine. Chase Elseth, watch the video. Splitter is can be really good, but I don't know how consistent it can be. Number two pitch being a splitter. You know that. Hunter Green could actually be like a Wasker Enoa from last year because he's throwing 55% sliders and 45% fastballs now. And the slider was really good, and the fastball's hittable. That's Waskiri Noah. So maybe that could work out. I I brought him up into the ceiling A tier. Okay, let's move on to this next tier then. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, this is tier 10, uh, 75 through 85. Hyunjin Ryu, Martin Perez, Ranger Suarez, excuse me, Marco Gonzalez, uh, Mr. No-Hitter himself, Reed Detmers, Chad Cool, Kyle Hendricks, Steven Matz, Tyler Anderson, Bruce Zimmerman, and Zach Logue. It is your Beanie Baby collection because um, <laughs> they're all useless in a year. Yeah, <laughs> You got them. And then soon enough, you'd be like, why did I get this? It's <laughs> oh, very good. Um, but look, this is the thing. Martin Perez is uh, has gone five starts straight. He's a Vargas role right now of actually doing well. And he did them against good teams. It's pretty startling right now. He's going against the Astros next, and it's the ultimate Vargas rule test. I'm curious how that will work. Ranger Suarez is kind of turning it back on, which is good, but he just doesn't have his changeup anymore, which is terrible. Marco Gonzalez is on a Vargas rule. I mean, you get the drift. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how long we were going to get before you brought up the Vargas rule, and I, I thought it was going to be other pitchers, and I didn't anticipate it that it was going to be Ranger Suarez, to be honest. Well, more, also- Martin Perez is the Vargas rule. Ranger oh, Suarez has gone two starts of better, but he isn't because he doesn't have the changeup yet. Didn't you also do a really good breakdown of Zach Logue? Uh, no. I did watch him on the Twitch stream, though. Oh, uh, maybe I just saw you watch him on the Twitch stream. Yeah, you should uh, check it out. 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. every single weekday morning. Every single, single weekday morning. morning. <laughs> um, yeah, he's I, interesting. I Normally, I thought the changeup would be the good thing, but breakers were good last time, and he has a two-start week that could go well now. And if you're wondering, why isn't Reed Detmer's higher? He just threw a no-hitter because he had two strikeouts, and his, he doesn't have slider whiffs, and that's really annoying. 
Uh, that was the exact person that I wanted you to talk about because that was the person. I got you, I, buddy. All right. You, you, we're on the same track. <laughs> me right in. Um, tier 11, the final tier. Uh, final tier. 86 through 100. I'm going to do the same thing because I kind of like that method. I'm going to pick two guys out of here that I want you to break down a little bit more. Uh-huh. In depth, okay. Okay. Um, JT Brubaker, Christian Javier, Josiah Gray, Cal Quantrill, Madison Bumgarner, Jacob Junis, Jordan Hicks, Chris Flexen, uh, Corey Kluber, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, Dane Dunning, Jake Odorizzi, obviously, sadly, probably going to fall off the list with that horrifying leg injury. Hopefully he returns soon because that was scary. Yeah. Brad Keller, Jose Quintana, Daniel Lynch. I actually have a few questions. One. Oh, what's it called? And why is it called that? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's called the Golden Corral because there's certainly a lot of options, but is any of it good? That is That might be your best one of the day. <laughs> The Beanie Babies, I thought might it was going to take the cake, but that actually might be the winner. Did it take the case cake? It took the case cake. It took the it took the cheesecake factory case cake. Um, the two, so a few questions then. Uh, the two guys that I want you to break down are going to be uh, well. Okay, I actually got three questions. Two guys that I want you to break down are JT Brubaker and Dane Dunning. And the two questions that I have are: If Jacob Junis was guaranteed to go every fifth day, where would he be? And Chris Flexen seems like he had a really good night tonight against uh, Toronto. What does that mean for him for next week? Cool. Okay. So JT Brubaker slider has been better lately. Um, That's a really cool thing. And 20% swing strike rate. And that's kind of matching in the previous years. I mean, it's 25%, but then 18% in 2020. Uh, As long as he has that slider working and kind of the curveball too, a little bit, 45% CSW this year. That's great. The sinker uh, is not allowing hard contact right now, 20%. And he gets the Cubs next. So to me, that's a streamer. Great. Cool. You made it to this tier. Do I think this is going to last long for coffee cakes? No. As we all know, they go stale. And the coffee cakes, yeah. Sorry. It's probably a short-term thing for him. Dane Dunning was a bit of a Vargas rule because his command was just so good for a couple starts. And then he went against Boston, and it was not so good. Uh, That's what a Vargas rule is at its heart, is being able to stay on the edges, avoid pitches in the middle of the plate really do what you want to do with your pitches and doesn't matter how bad your stuff is if you can do that then you have a chance for success and that's a Vargas rule but the second you stop doing that you're out of rhythm it's hard to get it back that's why we're moving on mostly from Dane Dunning I'm going to give him you know he's still on the list because maybe there's a chance he does it again he gets back to it we don't know um Chris Flexen it felt like a Vargas rule after the last one he really did not have his good stuff against the Phillies apparently he did well tonight that's yeah. cool. I uh, it's all just really uh 21% CSW on the cutter, uh 8% swing strike rate on the fastball, 15% swing strike rate on the chain. Like, okay. I I I I he's such a Toby. It was just a 26% CSW tonight, too, for what it's worth. Now, the the one guy that I didn't ask about though, um, who Oh, there's one left. Actually, there's Jacob Junis. I know there's one left. There's Jacob okay. Junis, but it reminded me. Uh, yeah. Corey Kluber dropped, but had a 31% CSW. Yeah, nice job. And- nice job, Kluber. I really, I've really been kind of down on Kluber because of the drop velocity and really only having been maybe one start with uh, cutters and breaking balls working. And it looked really bad uh, last time. I mean, 800 runs against the Angels pretty much yeah. says like, all right, this is not something that I want to trust tonight. Yeah. Um, but hey, I'm happy that it worked. You know, uh, that's that's a positive thing for me. Against Detroit, now you get Baltimore next, and maybe you, you'll feel good about starting him there. Um, but again, this is kind of showcasing how it is past 55. Even Kluber and Brubaker, like those could be good starts for you. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's just a lot of different options and it's really hard to make sense of it. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of these, if you're on the list right now, there are a lot that I didn't include, um, but I, that could have been on here. And these are the ones that made it because I could see myself starting them in a good match and moving forward. And sorry, I cut you off. What was the Junis? If Junis the Jun- was guaranteed and, that spot. Uh, Junis had an amazing changeup against the Nationals and a slider and he barely threw sinkers. And then he didn't do it his last two starts or last two appearances. I, I DM'd him. I was like, what's going on? He said, look, the changeup was as good as I've ever felt at that day. And then uh, the catcher was not putting it down. He's putting down sinkers and sliders the other game. And, you know, it was working. And I'm just going to keep doing that. And we haven't seen that change up since, which is really disappointing. The slider has been great. It wasn't as great last time, but with Tony Disco, I believe I, I need to double check this and I could be very wrong. Um, but I think Tony Disco is now on the 60 day DL. I saw on roster resource that he's supposed to come back later this week. Mm-hmm. And then now it's been reverted back to Junus. So maybe that was just a, a glitch that I just got messed up on. I don't know. Um, but that's why I did drop Junis. I believed it, but it looks like Junis is there and Descafani is not returning anytime soon. Uh, so you should actually feel kind of good about Junis uh, being in that rotation for this foreseeable future. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so he he cannot return until the end of June. It was two hours before we started recording. Oh, that um, he went on the 60 day? Yeah. Yeah, well, there. okay, that makes me feel better because I put it out. I uh, not knowing that information, thinking that Descalfani would be returning and then he wasn't. So now Junis gets the Padres and that's kind of interesting because Junis, Padres yeah. are not good. Padres that's are not good. That's the guy I might be interested in getting. I, I tweeted about him yesterday during the start because it's so funny to me because all we say is like, how come guys don't throw their best pitch more often? Yeah. Uh, and then what does he do? He goes to San Francisco and he throws a slider more than well, he's ever thrown it before. Well, that's, yeah, he was doing that been in Kansas City to the point that he was even including a quote-unquote curveball that I DM'd him about. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yeah, that's just my slider. I'm throwing softer because I'm trying to get the most out of my best pitch, right? That's so we've seen that before in waves from Junis. I'm, I'm glad that we're back at the peak of slider usage with him in a way that his slider is as good as it's ever been. I mean, legitimately, it's, it's insane. 35% CSW this year. Uh, it's everything that you want out of it. Um, we just don't know how long this is going to last. And maybe it's just more San Francisco magic. That's cool. I'm surprised you didn't bring up 99 and 100, honestly. Um, what, why? What, what makes you uh, so excited about them? Because number 100 is always an intriguing one. And you have a personal, I don't know, emotion towards with, with this guy at 100. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's like no, Jose, Jose Quintana and Daniel Lynch is just funny. It's thinking about them at the total ends of their career. I think I'm just sure. I, I, I was actually thinking about Daniel Lynch today because I feel bad for him where it was like, man, I just wish you were not in Kansas City. Like, mm. I just don't, you know, talk about Junis and then talking about what Kansas City has done with every starter that we have had hope for. And what they have panned out and turned out to be, it just sticks. Like I, I, I think Daniel Lynch in a good system could be a great pitcher, and uh, I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to reach, reach his potential in Kansas City. That's fair. I mean, I've uh, essentially his past couple starts, the slider has been as good as I've seen. Um, he's had at least five whiffs on each of his last four games with his slider, with eight whiffs in his last start, which is really really nice. Good mm-hmm. changeup as well, last start. Uh, paired with that uh, with that fastball, um, there is some hope that maybe this is a turnaround for uh, for Daniel Lynch there, and for Jose Quintana. Across his last five starts, he has five earned runs total. That's bananas. Yeah, including a start of six innings against the Dodgers of shutout ball and seven innings against the Reds of shutout ball in his last two. 
he had a start among that against the Brewers where he legitimately did like the Blake Snell blueprint. Like it was four seamers up, changeups and curveballs down. And mm-hmm. I had seen it separately last year with four seamers exclusively up and having lots of whiffs, curveballs exclusively down, and having lots of whiffs, but failing because they were separate. But he's kind of doing it now. I mean, he had nine strikeouts in that game and has since had 13 combined in those three games since. But I don't know. There's something like maybe that's a Vargas rule that you want to hold on to. We'll see. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's why we pay attention. That's why we come and watch this list, right? There it is. Exactly why we do it. Um, (laughs) All right, Nick. uh, That is going to do it for episode number 324 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night.